Welcome to episode 247 of the Sleeper in the Bus podcast. It is your Thursday edition, and I am Paul Spore, joined as always on Thursdays by a recently injured, but it's not fractured, Eno Saris. Eno, what did you do to yourself, and how are you doing? I just I stepped on someone's foot, and it, I heard a crunch, and um, I went and just looked at my uh, x-rays today, and I actually have three bone spurs floating around. Uh, in various parts of my foot. Oh uh, God! I, I, and, I hate to interrupt you, but Roto World just put it on that you're you're going to go see Doctor Andrews about this. Yeah, right. I, ju- I just saw the it just came up on their thing. Dude, what you could have just told me you didn't have to have it be the news up there. Uh, the, good thing, the good thing is I don't type with my feet. So. That's true. So it, uh, it shouldn't incapacitate you from working. Uh, we expect. And since you can't go anywhere, to, you know, you're not that as mobile as you were, we now expect double the output at FanGraphs oh, no. and Rotographs, <laughs> just so you know. We need two change pieces every week, in mm-hmm. addition to double the features over on the FanGraphs side as well. So that's <laughs> you brought this upon yourself. Um, I guess this puts you out of the, uh, you know, you're not going to get signed by the Lakers now, because I, I think they were about down to you on their list. Everybody <laughs> else had said no. Well, I can't play center for them either, so. Okay, well, uh, I, I guess they'll keep looking. Well, I hope you're all right. Uh, I, my co-hosts on this show can't seem to stay healthy this year. So, you know, I'm shuffling guys in and out here. I'm working with the AAA where I can between Jason's knee and, and, not, and now your foot. Uh, but we'll, 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 make, we'll make do. We'll make do. There, there are some other injuries that are severe, or one specific injury that's severe, and then some other news we have to cover, and then we'll talk about some June swoons. Remember on Tuesday, folks, we talked about June boons, guys who had huge months that are a little bit off the radar, and we kind of wanted to see where they're, where they're at going forward. This is a little bit different. These are guys who are a little bit more established, who had awful Junes, and then we got to figure out where they're at. Yeah, are, we, are we buying back in, uh, hoping for a rebound, or are we a little bit cool on the rest of the season prediction, uh, uh, projection? Excuse me. So let's talk first about that big injury I, I was mentioning. Because when you first said it's not fractured, uh, an out-of-context sentence, I thought you were talking about George Springer because I hadn't seen that you got hurt. Uh, he hurt his wrist, George Springer did, and it's not good. Uh, we're looking at a minimum of six weeks right now. This is a big hit. Uh, Springer had really come out of it and, and was playing like the guy that we had expected. Uh, I, I think it wasn't too long ago that, that he was still toting a sub-200 average uh, was Springer. And then and then just a, a massive month. Yeah, as recently as May 20th. I mean, it's not that long ago here on July 2nd. He was hitting 195. And since then, Springer in 40 games has hit 320 with an 899 OPS, seven homers, four stolen bases. I mean, he was just on fire. Hurts himself, going to be out a while. What do you make of this, both for Springer's uh, rest of season, but also for the Astros as a whole? Well, I've had a I've had a displaced fracture in my in my um, in my thumb, and actually, the doctor uh, misdiagnosed it and um, treated it as if it was a non-displaced fracture. And uh, so now I have a, I have a bigger I have one thumb is bigger than the other. Oh wow! Uh, because what happens is the bone, um, if it's displaced, the bone is is off the bone, and and you know the way that it'll heal is by growing together and making something bigger. Um, whereas a non-displaced fracture is basically the it, the bone is right there. There's just a hairline sort of break in it, right? Mm-hmm. So when it grows back together, there aren't as many issues with tendonitis um, because 
my thumb is going to have issues with tendonitis later because it's big and the tendon is it has to rub over it. Um, it's all so, very painful. Well, the good news for Springer is that it's it's non-displaced. So and so, hopefully his is properly diagnosed. Right. Yeah. I think uh, I think they spend a little more money on these guys. Perhaps. Uh, <laughs> Who's, to say? Who's to say for certain? I almost asked today for an MRI, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I guess they can probably tell me that I definitely messed up some ligaments. I don't think they need to do an MRI for that. But um, yeah, so he's got uh, he's got a non-displaced fracture, so that's at least some uh, hope. And and whereas you know with with uh, Giancarlo Stanton the the handmade bone problem um, that has been really linked to um, uh, to power outages after even when they come back, Springer's. I don't think is as dire. I mean, it is a wrist injury, and that's bad for power. But since it's of this non-displaced variety, and they're not taking a handmade bone out, and they're not—it's it, not as a big a deal. I don't even think there was. There's no surgery. There's no oh. surgery, which is, I think, clue number one that it's not as big a deal. I mean, there's surgery for Giancarlo. So, okay. Um, you know, there's a chance that he's uh, that he's decent the rest of the way. Um, and. Again, it's very hard to sell low on these kind of guys. Yeah, yeah, um, I, I would want to do that. I, I would wait and then get the get the final month and a half from him. Hopefully, uh, if you are competing and you have George Springer, you you can you can hang on, patch it up a little bit. Uh, and, and he might still two. get to like twenty five, twenty five this year, which is amazing. That's how ridiculous he is. Uh, yeah. Springer already had thirteen homers and fourteen stolen bases. Remember last year he only had five and seven chances, and folks kind of wonder where the speed was. It, it just it just didn't show up. It, it, it was seventy eight games. There were there, you can't make a sweeping judgment about it. It seemed like he would be the power speed combo we we'd seen previously coming into this year, and it has panned out that way. So uh, I agree with you, though. Sit tight on Springer. Don't go out and sell him. I I, I just don't think you'll get a return uh, valuable enough. Obviously, if you're in a keeper league, that changes all the dynamics, and, and we'll move on from there. Um, let's talk about some guys who returned from injury. It was a big day. It was a big morning, if you will, uh, depending on what time zone you're in, or at least early afternoon, as three guys uh, simultaneously made their returns from big injuries, two from Tommy John and then Matt Cain from like 52 injuries. Uh, Jose Fernandez and Matt Cain were squaring off in Miami, and then Matt Moore was in Tampa Bay squaring off against uh, Corey Kluber. Let's talk about Fernandez first. He's obviously the biggest draw, although all three of these guys uh, definitely have the chance to be high impact. Uh, Fernandez went out and you know gave us some runs. I think it was three runs, but uh, had seven strikeouts. The stuff looked pretty prime. I didn't get to watch the whole thing. I was keeping an eye both on that. Uh, the, the Cleveland-Tampa Bay game, as well as the Tigers, which started a little bit later. So it wasn't one of the sit down and, and really focus on it. Plus, I was also writing. So six innings, three runs, seven hits, no walks, six strikeouts. Lots to like from what happened with Fernandez here. Um, you know, 11 swings and misses within his 89 pitches. The velocity was there. It looked pretty good, especially for a first start back from, from Tommy John in the majors. What do you think, Fernandez, and did you get to see any of it this morning? Um, yeah, I did. I watched the game. Um, and, um, yeah, I think I came away mostly impressed. There's a couple things that I just, I don't get. Um, I retweeted one of them is, uh, from a beat writer who said he, he hadn't seen the slider, um, that, uh, that Jose Fernandez admits that he, uh, injured himself on. So, 
it's it's this is the reason why it's so hard is because Fernandez throws like a, a slurvy curve. Yeah, exactly. The the defender. and and you know when they when they use a word like slider, you, you're kind of like, well, did he have one? that didn't break as far down in the past that he didn't use today that he calls a slider that's different from his, you know, kind of slurp or, uh, because I mean, he threw 27 curveballs. So, uh, you know, and they went 86 miles an hour, 84 to 86 miles an hour. So, you know, that you could call that a slider. <laughs> that, that, that's the thing. And, and if you look at Brooks, he's never had anything classified as a, uh, as a slider. Right. They put it all in curve. I think it's multiple curves. And if you get caught up in classifications, I, I think you might lose lose the picture there. It certainly and looked I, like he was throwing his devastating breaking yeah. stuff. And I wouldn't – even if he didn't throw the pitch he called the one – the slider, the one that he that he hurt himself on, mm-hmm. he threw breaking balls. Definitely. You know? And they were wicked. And, and, and they were wicked and they worked out. And they he got uh, seven whiffs on 27 curveballs. That's uh, – you know, if he held that up all we'll, year. We'll take that. Uh, that would lead the league. And By um, light years, isn't like the average closer to what's that? <laughs> eleven. Yeah, I was gonna say 11 twelve percent with curveballs. So that that would be a d- double that or better. Yeah. So I, you know, uh, there were two debuts uh, or two uh, returns in that game. What did you see on the uh, other side there with Kane? Obviously, the results weren't as good. Five innings, seven runs. Five, or excuse me, five innings, seven hits, five runs. Four walks was a big key. Of course, a couple homers, one of which was from Fernandez, uh, interestingly enough. So even that part of his game is back. And just two strikeouts for Kane. Uh, again, returning from some injuries here. He hasn't really been his frontline self for a little while. You see reasons for optimism with Matt Kane, though? There, there was something going on, something really weird. So his slider was pretty good. Um, his slider was, was, I would say, you know, almost better than it was before you know better than it's been the last couple years Mm -hmm. uh had a little more drop than usual he went to it a lot uh he threw it more than his two seamer or or his change up um and so you know he got three whiffs on 19 that's that's okay for a slider and you could tell that he trusted that pitch a lot so that that says that's a good thing for his elbow health i think you know breaking ball threw a lot of it did not throw his curveball a lot that's a little weird uh, and then the two seam fastball, something, something strange was going on with it. I, I, I don't know. Uh, the two seam and the changeup. I think there was there was a lot. There was a bunch of them that were really close together. Okay. Um, and you know, in general, his two seamer was was a lot slower than his four seamer. And you know, I'm gonna have to look at this a little bit harder because. You can't just look at the pitch effects breakdown of this game because I think they miss they probably misdiagnosed some of those change ups as two seamers and back and forth. So I could see that. Yeah. Those those two pitches, um and, and the change up used to be very important you know, it has been very important for him at times and less important at other times. But the the kind of pitcher that he is, and, and this came up right when I did the uh, updates for the pitch type um peripherals, he's he doesn't have a plus pitch. Like he does not have an elite pitch. Uh, plus, maybe he has one, but he, he does do, not have an elite pitch. Do you think that uh, so at his all peak that he did? Uh, that? Uh, what, 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 what do you think was his best pitch, and was it plus or plus plus at his peak for Kane, in your estimation? I mean, I you know the pitch type update for the peripherals is all about Matt Kane. Um, I, I wrote a little Matt Kane thing to Zimmerman. Zimmerman uh, updated the bench, benchmarks, and I. 
Um, I wrote a little Matt Cain thing to it. Okay. <clears throat> and th- at that time, um, was last year, um, his best pitch, um, you know, next to other pitches was his uh, curveball. Okay. So weird that uh, he only threw four on the day. By the uh, way, I, I kind of glibly mentioned that he was coming back from a, a series of injuries, and that's somewhat true. Obviously, he had elbow surgery uh, at the end of last year, but but the injury he was coming back from today was the strain flexor tendon uh, in that right forearm that that kept him out. You know, uh, hey, pardon me. It, yeah, it didn't lead to surgery, at least. Yes, you know, exactly. It didn't, didn't lead to uh, yeah. the surgery, the Tommy John. So. Uh, on that level, it's a, it's a success that he got out there. We, you know, we probably want a little more, um, a little bit more uh, data on him. He he sat 91, 92. That's good news, um, and uh, we're gonna have to watch this. But I think in general, when you're when you're uh, to, to zoom out on this, right, and to be like, you know, how what kind of a league do I want Matt Cain in, and and uh, how good is he gonna be? I think he really needs to have. A, his plus control, which he hasn't had for a little bit, or plus command at least. Yes. Um, and then B, he has to basically have all his pitches, you know, near their best. Because even with the slider as it was, he got three whiffs on 19. That's not elite. That's not, that's uh, about average. So okay. if he, if you're talking about a guy who has average velocity for, for a righty, an average slider, a below average changeup and a curveball he doesn't trust and doesn't have good command. That's not um, a guy I will recommend to you. You said he had three swinging strikes on the slider. He only had four all told in his 89 pitches, which tells you what the other pitches were doing. So uh, a, yeah. a, a much cooler outlook on Kane right now. But I agree with you. I want to see more first. And uh, to be 100% honest here, I only really watched one of his innings. I was using those uh, the, the time when Miami was batting as kind of breaks because I really did kind of want to focus in on much uh, as much as I could of Fernandez. And then the last debut that we got to talk about is Matt Moore, uh, who is coming back from Tommy John surgery. And Moore's very interesting. Uh, you know, remember when he was the Uber prospect, the one that had. Uh, had everyone had to have he had that scintillating debut uh we all freaked out uh over like nine innings and some and some quality playoff work and in his rookie season was not bad uh 177 innings of a 381 era but it was well short of expectations because he'd gotten so inflated and the thing that's really bothered more throughout his uh major league career has been the walks and walks were very problematic early in his pro career as well he only really started to tamp them down uh kind of just before his his major league arrival so you know it's always been a bit of an issue with him and in the minors Matt Moore striking out 13 batters per nine, and you can kind of skate by with uh, with even something of like a four uh, walks per nine. But in the majors, he's right around a strikeout per inning, which is fine, of course. We, we like that. But it's not enough to sustain four, four and a half walks. He's been at 4.3 walks per nine through his 347 innings. So Matt Moore returned today, got to face Cleveland. It wasn't uh, it wasn't awesome by any stretch. It was you know kind of similar to uh, to Kane's in terms of results: four and two thirds, six hits, four runs, two walks, four strikeouts, uh, but kept the ball in the yard and had ten swinging strikes in his 81 pitches. So you know a lot more uh, flashy stuff between the two. So I'm only making the the Kane more 
comparison there with regards to the baseline results, not how they were achieved. Did you get to catch any of this game? Obviously, these two ran concurrently, so I understand if you don't have a full breakdown on more. But just where are you at with him, generally speaking? Um, wow, I just uh, – that was crazy. What <laughs> happened? Uh, I was uh, trying to compare uh, Matt Moore, and I had two screens open. I was trying to compare him to himself, and um, um, – I was comparing to Jose Fernandez and was like, "Jeez!" You're like, "Whoa, wait!" <laughs> by the way, interesting uh, note here too by uh, on Moore's game to kind of get back to the point about uh, his command and control. He had three wild pitches, and in 2013 he led baseball with 17, and he only threw 150 innings. So, you know, the the fact is we went through this period here where he he was showing kind of a uh, a sustained period, I guess, in 2011 now. It's a pretty long time ago where he wasn't walking the world. But that's really the only the the only big period of time that we have. It was 155 innings in, between AA and AAA that year. And then, like I mentioned, those nine innings in the majors and then a, a handful of innings um, in, in a series against Texas in ALDS where he was brilliant. But again, we were dealing with 19 major league innings and 155 minor league. Everything else in Moore's profile said that he has command and control issues. I bought the gains, and I thought he was going to be one of those guys that was kind of ready right away. But instead, he's looking more like a lot of lefties who take a while to get it uh, and, and have to kind of work things out. I'm still not giving up hope on him long term, but I have very limited expectations for Matt Moore in 2015. Well, what about you? I, you know, even long term, uh, there was uh, one really bad piece of news for Matt Moore today, which was – that his max was below uh, his where he used to sit in the past. Oh, that sucks because uh, Jose Fernandez took away any questions with that. I think his first pitch was 96. It's really nice to see that velocity. It's also for a starter since they throw so many fastballs. You know, it only takes three starts. Um, you know, people have mentioned this to me that Mark Melanson has been putting his velocity back on, but if you think about it, it probably takes longer for a reliever because you know you're talking about um, so few you know, pitches. 50, fastballs for the or 50 to 70 fastballs for the starter in one start uh, whereas the you know the reliever will throw five to ten so um or 20 maybe tops but so you know that's uh, that might be why melanson took a little bit of time to get to where he was also he could just be an outlier uh, most of the time three starts back you know about 80 percent of the variance in the in the fastball velocity the rest of the way so, uh, you know, the fact that he sat 90, 91 is not good news. Um, it's, it's still, it'll be average velocity considering he's a lefty, but it's only average velocity. So now you're talking about average velocity. He didn't have the, the rise on his fastball that he normally does. So average velocity. And no command and control. fastballs, bad command and control, really good changeup. I would say elite changeup. Um, and... Um, you know, than an okay breaking ball. And in fact, he got more whiffs. Uh, he got two whiffs from his slider in 11 and, and one whiff from his changeup in, in 16. Uh, that's a little bit different from usual. But in terms of shape, um, the, uh, <clears throat> yeah, normally his changeup is, is way better. But um, in terms of shape, the change and the breaking ball were um, about normal. I mean, actually, his breaking ball had a little more drop than usual. So, you know, maybe he worked on that breaking ball a little bit. It's called a slider in here, but, um, you know, who knows? It had seven inches of drop, you know, negative seven inches of drop. So, 
It looks more like a curveball to me. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, I would say he has an elite pitch, uh, two average fastballs, and bad command. It's it's hard to recommend him. Um, but, uh, you know, if you need a home run, if you're going to put him on your bench, if you're going to drop somebody like Matt Shoemaker, you know, I, I wouldn't get in your way. Matt Shoemaker looks like you can only start him at home anyway at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, so something like that. I- you know, a, a home run. I just got done writing the, the Hail Mary pitchers. If, if you're yeah. if you're in a redraft league and you're sitting in seventh place and it's an uphill battle and you just got to try to take what you can get, getting somebody like a Matt Moore uh, for free probably, uh, close to free, fab, I guess, um, if he's available out there, or, or even via trade, I doubt he would cost you much. Sure, I get that. But anywhere else, I'm just saying I'm washing out this year on him. I'm not even yeah. that worried about what happens. I'm going to monitor also, him. Also, like, was not supposed to come back the first year's command, and if he didn't have great command to begin with, that's cool. why. That's why you know, like a guy like Jose Fernandez, I can, I'm gonna, and and Matt Harvey, I'm gonna be more optimistic about when they come back. Um, a guy like Patrick Corbin and um, and Matt Moore, on the other hand, you know, Corbin's had okay walk rates, but I don't, I don't consider him a great command guy. No, uh, I I, so. I agree with you on that, and I have similar concerns about Corbin. I'm I'm excited to get him back up. I thought he was an intriguing young lefty. Uh, I don't have him in the same class as obviously these other guys here that we're talking about, like you said, Fernandez and Harvey. Har- Harvey and Fernandez have the stuff that even when the command isn't there, they can make some mistakes. We've seen some some bumps from Harvey. We've uh, seen some bumps from Harvey. Exactly. That's that was command. Those homers are exactly. command issues. And and, yeah. and and we'll see some from Fernandez. That's why I wouldn't. I wasn't going as crazy as folks because he has such a limited time. At least there's still a full season for Harvey, you know, when you knew there was going to be bumps. A couple bumps similar to what Harvey had for Fernandez will completely uh, mitigate what he can do for you then. A seven earned run. You're only going to get 80, 80 or 100 innings out of him. Exactly. So, you know, uh, 100 seems aggressive. So, unless they've said that, I, I, I haven't seen the, the numbers that they're putting out there. So, um, more is full gamble, whatever. Fernandez already picked up. I wouldn't go out and try to buy him if you got him. Uh, you could try to sell. If, if you're in a redraft league, off of this start, I think you would get a, an absolute mint for him still. I, I think there were enough encouraging pieces in this in Fernandez's start. Three runs, you know, no one's freaking out about a, a baseline quality start with six walks, or excuse me, six strikeouts and zero walks. Um, and just the general love for Fernandez. So I think you could get a mint off of him. Kane, I'm, I'm doing a wait and see. Uh, just keep him on the bench if you got him in, in mixers. Um, and, and that's where we're at with these debut guys. Let's move on to the big big promotion. You know, it seems every time we've got, uh, you know, we're like, okay, this, this is probably it for Impact Talent. It's, there, mm-hmm. One other one comes up where you're like, actually, this could be Impact Talent. You know, not everyone that comes up. Even when Lindor came up, I'm like, I, don't, I didn't see a great case for him being Impact Talent. Uh, shortstop helped there but uh, in terms of his bottom line numbers i don't see them being that impactful miguel sano is the latest call up he's got a tool that could make him impactful when you've got 80 raw 80 raw power uh and that is what miguel sano has you've got a chance to make a big impact now we'll see if it comes to fruition uh he doesn't have the swing and miss of somebody like a joey gallo we saw what happened with joey gallo he was able to still hit the home runs but with a strikeout rate that was up at 43 percent the the trade-off just wasn't worth it and the rangers you know they, they tried some things with him in the outfield here and there but as they got healthier it became the right move for them to send him down so going to get his chance Kenny vargas goes down 
Sano's coming off a of Tommy John surgery from 2014. He was absolutely raking in Double A. He is skipping Triple A, but two things: he's 22 and he's he's got uh, well over 500 plate appearances in Double A of raking. I don't think that this is a, a crazy thing to to skip him past Triple A. What do you think of Miguel Sano, and and how impactful do you believe he can be uh, for the fantasy community? You know, if you take the name off of it and you um uh, erase their skin color. Uh, you know who he looks exactly like? Who? Statistically, Chris Bryant. Ooh. Ooh, man. He looks really, really similar. A lot hot. of great walk rates, uh, strikeout rates between sort of 25 and 28% for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, ISOs over 300. Uh, both uh, 20, you know, 22, 23. Uh, a little bit of athleticism and speed. Um, yeah, I'm surprised they're not like going to put him in center field or something, but I guess, uh, you know, he's only seen the infield really. I know, but it, could it be any worse than what they're doing with center field now that Bucks yeah. is down? I know, uh, but the, you know, also, yeah, also that seems weird to put this guy in DH. Uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's like, you know, focus on hitting or something, but, yeah, um, but I, I feel like you would want him out there playing too. I agree. I, I'm not saying Trevor, the, the thing is, I, I, I like Trevor Poof as a third baseman, um, but Sano, I don't think he's just some big lumbering guy who can't hold third. Everything I've heard and read suggests that it's, it's not that far out that he can actually be a third baseman, at least for the near term, next couple of years. So um, I would want him playing some sort of defense. Like you said, he's only been on the infield. So, you know, bouncing him out to the outfield, we were tongue-in-cheek about the center field stuff. But uh, even bouncing him out to, to left or right doesn't seem like an option. Uh, so if they're just going to stick him at DH, that, that can be tough. That it, it sounds easy, just come up and hit and just focus on that. It's a tough job to DH. So if if he is a, like a full-time DH, then I wouldn't be surprised if there's a bit of a transition for, just for that for Miguel Sano, let yeah. alone transitioning to major league pitching. So I don't like that's why I, I don't like that piece. Field. I would like I would play him in the field. You know what? You can't hit any worse than Joe Mauer right now. Jeez. You know, play him at first base at least. Yeah, let Joe Mauer DH. I mean, I, I, I know that he'll get say-so, and if he's like, nah, I don't really want to DH, then, then that's how it's going to be. But right. I'd be like, I don't know, man. How about you DH 75% of the time, and Sano will do the other 25%. Yeah. I mean, because, how about we give an advantage to the guy who might hit more than three homers the rest of the way? Yeah, let the young blood – and again, <laughs> it, it differs player to player. Some guys – take to it and they're fine but the, the overwhelming majority say it's it's just a different thing and it's tough so yeah. uh I, I say get Sano in the field I'm pretty excited about him coming up you know anytime you get this kind of power and he doesn't have the overwhelming swing and miss and that's just kind of where we are today where we can say like a 25 because he'll probably be like a 25 percent rate um that used to be really ugly these days that's like nah, that's fine I mean, that's that's just kind of the where we are with strikeouts. So um, I'm pretty excited about Sano. I think he's in all formats pickup initially just because of the, the power. Um, and then we'll kind of see where he's at, you know, after, you know, a couple a couple hundred plate appearances, you know? Yeah. I mean, it is it is something to think about. And I, I have actually counseled a few people on Twitter to sell uh, because now is there's not going to be any better time to sell than now unless, you know, he – is you know hits the 90th percentile of his exactly. projections right away, and um, and also especially in redrafts, I think it I think you know he's more of a sell than a keep because he um, 
he has some swing and miss in this game, and he has this 10%. There's a 10% DH penalty. You know, this is what we're talking about. There's a 10% pinch hit DH penalty. And to, to kind of put a guy, you know, uh, out there with the 10% penalty on his head on top of the fact that he's 22 and just learning to the big leagues, I think um, they're not necessarily putting him in the best uh, position to succeed. So um, I think he's a bit of a sell in, in uh, redrafts. But um, I, I concur there. I, I believe he needs to be owned everywhere. But what, what you're saying here with regards to, to selling out at, at a peak, I do agree with that um, be, because you will not you will not get more value unless he like you said, unless he ends up being one of those special players. And that's just such a small percentage chance. And so you can probably plug up more than one hole. Let's move on to the Giants uh, closer situation. It's looking like Santiago Casilla, after giving up that, that three run walk off bomb to Justin Bohr on Wednesday, it's getting a little bit of a, a short term demotion. They're saying he's fatigued. So they're going to move him out of the role. Uh, and then I, from what I read, they're going to play matchups, Javi Lopez, Sergio Romo. I think it'll be mostly Sergio Romo, uh, who's got his skills back on track. If his ERA isn't at 4-3-2, the skills certainly are vintage uh, Sergio Romo, 13 strikeouts per nine, two and a half walks, uh, yielding a 2.20 FIP. So a lot, a lot of good there, but a 65% left on base rate. He's got some, uh, you know, Issues there, maybe maybe some bad luck sprinkled in. Casilla, on the other hand, you know, got his strikeout rate up to a passable 9.1 because uh, he was not a huge strikeout guy. But three three and a half walks, his ERA is fine at, at, at 303. He's just not that special as a closer. Um, he's been better this year, like I said, particularly with the strikeouts for Casilla. But his overwhelming, you know, he used to kind of make up for the strikeouts with a big ground ball rate up over the 50s. This year he's at 45%. So that ERA, uh, I think Casilla's ERA is a bit of a mirage being too low, and, and Romo's is a bit of a mirage being too high. Uh, I think this could be a permanent switch, even though they're saying it's short term. I'd be buying in Romo if I needed saves for sure. What do you think? Yeah, you know, I you know, long term, I kind of like Hunter Strickland. Yeah, and if you want to go elsewhere, that's fine. My 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 primary point is that Cassie, I think Cassie is done. Oh, uh, yeah, the, as the closer. I mean, the fatigue is the right word I think to use because if you look at his velocities this year, he he started out ninety five, uh, you know, stuck around at ninety four, ninety five. But he did have a little bit of a dip um, in May where he was down to 93. But it's the kind of 93 you'd round up to 94. So still 94, 95. And then the last five outings. No, listen to this. Starting uh, June 10th. So he, he faced the Nationals, 94-mile-an-hour sinker. Next day, 93 point, next outing, 93.3, 93.5, 93.4, 93.8, 92.5, 92.1, 92.2. So he lost. Uh, he lost a tick on his fastball, a tick plus, um, over the over the last month. Yeah, in in and, a short span there, for sure. Yeah, and like you know, considering the fact that <clears throat> he's 34 years old and has somehow you know kept his velocity um, at 93 plus for a long time for a reliever, um, you know, I do think that's worrisome, and it does make me worry about it. I do like that he added the strikeouts. Um, and he did that mostly by replacing fastballs with curveballs. So I don't know if I love that. That's kind of the junk approach. Um, and uh, so there is, I think there is stuff to worry about with him. He hasn't been 
100% go all throughout his career. You could say the same for Romo, where they, they haven't really trusted him. So they might actually do some sort of timeshare. or You know, I think it is probably Romo. I'm not as, I don't know if I'm as gung-ho with you, because Romo would be the lowest velocity closer in the league. And He probably um, was when he was closer last time. Listen, uh, I'm cool with you bringing up Strickland. Uh, like I said, my, my primary point, whether it's it, it, I think Romo will get that first shot. So in terms of the short term, and you want those saves right away, go get him. Um, yeah. I'm I'm completely yeah. fine with with a Hunter Strickland speculation. Maybe you're not in dire need for saves, but you're not uh, you're not averse to uh, picking I up think, maybe some speculation saves. Strickland well, is, is a good. Up, the reason I bring him up is that he's he's easing his way into the conversation. Because well, he stopped it's obviously up Romo has been set up. And that, you know, Strickland has three five, three set holds to uh, Romo's five. Strickland is more seventh inning than eighth inning. Uh, but Strickland has the, the, the closer package. So that's Absolutely. why I like him in dynasty leagues and, tw- you know, 15 and 20 team leagues. He's now a step closer, perhaps. Uh, you could see it by the end of the year or more next year. So, you know, I, I, I just think that we're headed towards Strickland on some level because the two guys ahead of him are old and uh, have their flaws, velocity, strikeout rate. Romo hangs sliders every once in a while. He just goes through a whole thing where he hangs sliders, and then you know he gives up homers, and uh, homers are the death. You know? um, yeah, I, I, I totally, I totally uh, like I said, agree with, with talking, uh, talking about Strickland. You know, speaking of homers are the death. He gave up six in the playoffs. I think people right. will remember that. But he hasn't given up one this year in 17 and two-thirds innings. That gives him now 25 major league innings where he hasn't given up one. So, yeah, he, he had a big cluster there in the playoffs where he gave up six uh, across the three series. But it doesn't look like that he's necessarily just this homer-prone dude. I'm looking at the minor leagues now for Strickland, and the last three years have been pretty great after some struggles earlier in his career, mostly when he was a starter, though, too, yeah. uh, including this year, 22 innings at, at AAA with no homers. So you, yeah, add those- and, you know, the, the homers in the playoffs, uh, a lot of people is, is, uh, attribute that to uh, tipping his pitches. Yes, and Bryce Harper um, being amazing. Right, I mean, you know, the people, you know, the competition is always higher in the, in the playoffs. And since then, he's added a two-seamer and uh, decided to throw his splitter more. So, um, you know, he did react to that, and he did he did try to, you know, I, I've talked to him, you know, I haven't really written about it that much, but I've talked to him, you know, every couple of weeks about tipping his pitches and what he's doing, and I'm just sort of, you know, I guess nurturing a relationship. Someday uh, somebody will read a piece about Hunter Strickland from, from me. But nice. uh, for now, he's just a middle reliever. I just wanted to bring his name up. I, I, I'm not so sure the Rome was going to take the job, you know, because, you know, for what it's worth, like I said, Casilla had, you know, a little dip in velocity in May, too. And, so, so you and can take them at their word here that this is just a break. And that they yeah. will ease him back into it, especially if Romo isn't nails. I, I can get behind that. Like I said, I'm still going to go out and get Romo if I need yeah. saves and he's available because I think there will be some short term with the chance to keep him. But right. uh, yeah, if you, like I said, if you're specking for saves and it's deep league, get Strickland because the, the long term, meaning as, as early as you know August or something, but then of course beyond – uh, twenty, you know, twenty sixteen and beyond. Strickland could definitely be their next big closer for several years. I, I could see that. 
All right, let's go ahead and talk about Freddie Freeman's injury here. It's looking like that they confirmed that he'll be out through the All-Star break. I guess there was some wishful thinking, at least that's what's been termed at one spot where I read, that he would return before then. So this is more just an update than anything else um, on, on Freeman and his wrist injury. Um, I can't remember what was said when we spoke about this injury when it first happened. Is this somebody that you would try to buy in on while he's hurt, hoping to get a big burst when he comes back? Or because it's wrist, you're not that uh, keen on getting Freddie Freeman for the rest of 2015? You know, it's wrist, but is it ligaments? Um, honestly, I don't know. I'm, I, I, do, I don't have Freeman anymore, so it's not something I'm dialed in on yeah. with regards to, to the health here. Let's see here. I've got a PRP injection. Yeah, like, yeah, you got a, some sort of injection, I remember. It was termed as a wrist contusion initially. So that's – a contusion is a bruise. Yeah, you know it? what, though? There's no fracture. Uh, there's no uh, ligament damage. So um, maybe that's why they were so optimistic that maybe he could yeah, get back yeah, before the break. It is a little weird that it's taking forever, but um, – <clears throat> Yeah, I'm not I, – I don't – you know, in terms of like ranking – these injuries and who I'm most pessimistic about. I think I'd be most pessimistic about Stanton. Second um, would be Freeman, and third would be uh, Springer. Okay. Springer also that's, has youth on his side a little that's bit. That's very useful uh, as a gauge in terms of, of where we're at with these injuries. Okay, so, um, yeah, you could go out and try to get Freeman, maybe maybe parlay this news today. Uh, if, if you could <laughs> shave a little bit off the price, then by all means do it. Uh Maybe there isn't as many, much long-term concern as there is for somebody like a Stanton, as you mentioned. All right, you know, let's talk some June swoons here. We had some guys that just had really rough Junes. Now, th- there are some guys that I could have included here that I didn't because their June swoon just continued their, their seasonal-long general suckiness. Looking at you, Ian Desmond and Robinson Cano. So, <laughs> you know, be- beating the drum on, on, on them some more, beating that dead horse just doesn't uh, – Move the conversation along too much. So I, I excluded them. And there are a couple guys on here that we have spoken about in the past with regards to their struggles, but June was particularly bad. And the, the first guy is who I'm thinking of when I say that, because we've spoken about Andrew Kashner uh, and, and kind of some of the struggles that he's going through. But earlier in the year, they were they were a little bit more like surface struggles where he had kind of a, a high three ZRA uh, or something like that. But everything else was kind of in place, or his win-loss record. I think he lost like six in a row at some point. But everything else was in place. Then June hit and and really tanked everything uh, for Kashner. He had a 6.55 ERA in in six starts during the month. 29 strikeouts in 33 innings. So strikeouts were still there, but 12 of those came in that weird outing where he only lasted four and two thirds, gave up 11 hits, five runs, uh, or excuse me, six runs, five earned. We, we've batted it back and forth about Kashner. Is it a, is it a catcher situation because some of the numbers are better with hedges, whatever? What is the deal here? Because the talent is not a 422 pitcher, but at some point we're 16 starts in, and we can't just keep saying that, well, it's going to get better because he keeps dinging our ERA, especially after this month. Like I said, first two months, it really wasn't that. In fact, it was good. Uh, in a- in April, he had a 2.61 ERA. By the end of May, he had a 3 ERA. So the struggles were really not that real because he had a 2-7 record. Who cares? Then June, it all caught up. 
I'm I'm starting to get very annoyed because I'm pretty well invested in Kashner. What what would what would you do, Eno? <clears throat> it's very difficult because I I love Kashner, uh, you know, personally, and um, and watching him, I I feel like it has it is nasty stuff, and and so I I think there are two things that are fundamentally true that are that don't sound that sound weird next to each other. One. Andrew Kashner is a talented pitcher. Two, Andrew Kashner is not as talented as it seems. And th- something was somebody clued me into this, and they said, I don't think his secondaries are any good, <clears throat> meaning his non-fastballs. Yeah. And I thought, I thought oh, that's crazy. I mean, his slider's always been a plus thing, and his changeup looks pretty good. Well, I just called up his, his pitch type peripherals, and if you took the name off of this thing and the velocity off of this and you just showed me the results – I would say that he has one plus pitch, the sinker, yeah, uh, which sometimes gives up a few too many homers to really call it plus plus, and uh, three okay pitches, because the changeup, fourteen uh, percent whiffs, the above average for a changeup, fourteen percent, uh, the slider, sixteen percent whiffs, above average for a slider, fourteen and a half, uh, the the four seam, six point eight percent whiffs, uh, above average for four seam, six point four percent. So given the fact that he throws like 120 miles an hour and, you know, has these other pitches that seem pretty good, especially when put up against 120 miles an hour, I think you might be surprised at how kind of meh those numbers are. I am surprised at it, and I'm, I'm annoyed, but I'm having a hard time coming up with disagreements to what you're saying here because, no, the slider doesn't get – as good of the results as as I as I believe they should based on that pitch, you know. Right. Same with the changeup. You look at it, and when it's at its best, you're like, "That's plus." Right. That's a great. Yeah. Exactly. But he doesn't hold that. He's not throwing that plus version as often this year. At least, at least that's what it seems. Uh, particularly in June. But like I said, I think there were some cracks. Maybe even when we were dealing with the three ERA through through May, because it just didn't feel like. He was he was pitching like that kind of pitcher. I don't know. It's been a very weird season for him. I have not been able to get a good read on Andrew Kashner. So let's let's just let's just put it down here then, you know, and get an idea. What are you doing the rest of the season? Redraft if you have if you have him, and then if you have a chance to acquire, uh, are you going to get rid of him if you have a, if you have him, and or would you be willing to buy him if you didn't have him? A sort of buy sell hold. Yeah. Um. Well, the very least, I'm going to hold because I think the shine is. I think the marketplace, the shine has gone down. Oh, definitely. Uh, His name because even even if you were trying to point to like the last two years as being good, in those years he didn't have the strikeout rate, um, and he didn't really. It you know he was going for the grounders a little bit more and yeah. quick outs, and he didn't really have. He didn't really have no help he either. He doesn't have like a signature season where you can say. Do you remember when Andrew Cashner up and he, Andrew Cashner came up and he Danny Salazar the whole league at first and then exactly. he Danny Salazar again? <laughs> no, all he did was, you know, uh, battle injuries okay. as a reliever and then had two solid sort of half seasons. Pretty I good. mean, you yeah. know, twenty thirteen is pretty full at one hundred seventy five innings, but like you said, it's not that season where you go. Andrew Cashner, 2013, and everyone knows what you're talking about. Well, right, yeah, exactly. Pretty right. good season. Plus, but, like, six, you know, six and a half uh, strikeouts per nine because he's, he had the 53% ground ball rate and was going sinker all the time. So, 
Yeah, I, and so I don't think that you're going to get a ransom for him, you know, especially with the, what's going on now. In terms of buying, um, I'm definitely a hold. I'll definitely hold. I don't, I'm not going to drop a guy who throws 98. I'm, I'm sorry if it's short-sighted or stupid. It's not I'm stupid at all. It's not 98, and he throws it 85% of the time, and he doesn't have his other pitches. You know what I mean? There's still, obviously, even if those other pitches aren't as good as we thought they were, they're at, they all came in at above average, right, or average. Yeah. So, you know, he has these other pitches, and he has plus velocity. He doesn't seem to have a command issue, even though, you know, who knows why he's giving up these homers, if it's command or if it's something else. But, um, you know, 333 Babbitt. Some of that's attributable to his defense. Some of that is luck. Uh, you know, a, a homer plus 1.22 homers per nine when his b- before now he's at a point eight uh, homers per nine. Some of that's luck. Some of that's catcher. So that's why it's so difficult for us to really pry this all out because you know the the personnel around him, his teammates, are definitely having a part in this. And you know, FIP Sierra XFIP all you know three six. Uh, three, three, six to high threes. So I think you can get that back down, and uh, I'll hold and I'll buy if uh, it's pretty cheap. What if you um, see the, the yeah? Where I would want to buy is so I, I don't love doing two for ones where I'm getting the two, uh, you know. But what if say your clear situation where you need where you need hitting. And and you're trading for you're trading pitching to somebody who has that clear need. You know, you're just one of those matching teams where where uh, the point balance is, you know, they've got great they've got great hitting, poor pitching. You've got the inverse. What about like Max Scherzer for Nolan Arenado and Andrew Kashner? Mm. Is that something that's that's oh, fair oh. on both sides to get you thinking? <laughs> I love Arenado, and Scherzer was my number one the rest of the year, so that's a great one. Um, yeah, you know what? I think that's not bad. I think that's not bad because you need to pay something to get something, and you need to pay. You're gonna have to pay Scherzer to get Arenado and to get Kashner back. At least you have a chance at you know eight strikeouts per nine, a mid three ZRA. Yeah, you, you got know. a chance at recouping some of that pitching loss. So that's the kind of deal I would want to do. <laughs> Even though I don't love the being on the two side of two for one, sometimes you need to do them, and you need to sell that huge piece that you've already got. You've gotten so much greatness out of Max, and I don't think it's going to stop. By the way, this isn't you know jump out before he craters. Uh, he's going to continue to be awesome. But like you said, you got to pay to get. And Arenado's been playing like a top five player now for a while. Um, and then, like you said, you, you, t- you take the gamble on Kashner that he covers a decent bit of that with the potential. And it's it's faint, you know, but there is a potential that he runs off a second half that is, uh, you know, in in Scherzer's neighborhood. I don't think that that's out of the realm of possibilities. So that's the way I would look to acquire how Ka- about, Kashner. How about uh, let me throw out some two for ones uh, where I'm throwing away. I'm throwing you uh, two for your Kashner. Okay. Um, let me give you uh, Ruby De La Rosa and Matt Moore. You're gonna say no? No, I'm gonna say no on that. But, but on the flip side is that is we both say yes. Like we would both do that. Yes. You know, uh, in acquiring cash. And I and I think that that there are deals like that out there. Uh, yeah, like uh, you said, Iwakuma plus Eduardo Rodriguez. Say, say, say the first name again. Iwakuma plus Eduardo Rodriguez for your cashner. 
I would take that gamble. I think. Yeah. Uh, that is, is tough, but I'm, I'm an Eduardo guy. I love the way he bounced back in Toronto. That was fantastic. They did that great work on how he was tipping in some of those, in the, in the, one of those really ugly starts that he had. And so, uh, you know, he's shown a lot. I think Eduardo Rodriguez has. So if I can do yeah. that and then take the gamble on Iwakuma coming back, cause I, I've got a decent chance if Kastner doesn't get right that Eduardo matches him. And so give me the free gamble on Iwakuma. I'll take yeah. that one. Yeah. I think it's a little bit too much for me, too, if I had Iwa and Rodriguez. So I think that's where the line is. Okay. Um, you know, maybe uh, I'd, I'd give you Hutchison, Drew Hutchison plus uh, uh, Ruby De La Rosa. I'd do that. Or Drew Hutchison plus Iwa Kuma. I might even do that. Mm-hmm. Um, even though Hutchison's been a little better recently, I just think that he's in a homer park. I think it's as simple as that. He's in a homer park, and he gives up homer sometimes. I, I, uh, I agree, and you know we love Hutch. We 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 talked him up all yeah. year, and he's shown us flashes to back up the 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 hype that we gave him, but it hasn't been consistent enough. I I hear you on that one. Let's move on. Let's stay in the, in that division though, the the AL East where where Hutchison resides, and talk about Michael Pineda because he might even be more maddening to me than than Kashner <laughs> because uh, he does. He first off, he he kind of has that signature season. A 3.74 ERA doesn't blow your mind, but 2011 was a great year for him. His rookie year, when he came up as a 22-year-old, just beasting, it was really impressive. He sputtered down the end. He carried much better than a 3.74 ERA for most of that year. So he does kind of have that signature season. And then, um, you know, all the health problems. Had a good little 76 inning sample last year that that gave him some good intrigue for this year. And he's panned out on that intrigue quite a bit, I'd say. I mean, he's got a lot of good signature games, including that big 16 strikeout. But he's got several duds, not just one. Four different times Michael Pineda has given up five-plus runs. And in four of those, he didn't even finish uh, six innings. You know, he didn't even have the decency, including eight <laughs> earned runs in three and a third innings against freaking Philly. Yeah. Philly with no strikeouts. It's like, Uh-oh. oh, my God, dude. So it's been all over the map. And yet through it all, uh, so let me give you the, the June there, 572 ERA here, in, or not here in June, back in June, uh, we can officially say. Five starts. Two, the, the crazy thing is, though, the June is a perfect microcosm of how maddening he is. He opened the month with a gem in Seattle. Baltimore kicked the crap out of him. Miami, he, he rolled Miami. Philly rolled him somehow. And then he went into Houston and shut them down. So, you know, it's a mixed bag of, uh, of stuff there. He still leads the AL with a 7.9 strikeout-to-walk ratio. Strikeouts are way up from last year, and it's not just the 16-strikeout game. He's got several big strikeout games, uh, seven, seven games of seven or more strikeouts, four of nine-plus, including that 16-strikeout. So there's been a lot of good, but there's been too much bad for how good he's been. So it, it's so maddening to see a guy that good get his face caved in multiple times. Um, so what do you think about Michael Pineda? Let's put the health aside for a moment. We're always going to be worried about that until he shows, you know, probably a couple years of, of staying healthy. But just with the talent, are you seeing anything that explains some of this volatility or is it just annoying volatility and the simple fact that he's only got 340 major league innings under his belt, even though he's been around for quote unquote ever? Well, you know, 
well, you know, we always I always come to to Brooks or to to our pitch FX pages with my uh, own predisposed predisposed ideas, you know, mm-hmm. and um, and so I, you know, I'm as guilty as any other human being as 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 trying to find uh, things to to um, to prove what I'm saying. Yeah, of course. Um, so you know, with that caveat, I would say when I opened uh, his page. I was thinking, uh, what I think of his opinion is that he doesn't quite trust his change um, yet because it does uh, fla- it flashes plus, but it's inconsistent, and that his slider um, uh, so he loses his slider sometimes, and uh, once he does that, he's got one pitch left. So um, you know, I think that's what I how I would describe what happens in the bad games. So that's a, that's a good having, assessment, by the way. Having but having said that, the only thing that I can find really is I would say that the horizontal movement on his slider this year is more erratic than it's ever been. Um, it, it it jumps from game to game um, as much as let's see, I've got horizontal movement on. He's got it jumps from game to game. He's had numbers as high as six uh, and numbers as low as one point seven. Um, you know, and recently he's trended towards it being, uh, less. So, you know, I think that's fairly, uh, that's fairly impressive in terms of, uh, you know, that means that, uh, sometimes the slider's getting frisbee, you know? Exactly. And, uh, something about it is, is not as tight anymore. And, uh, you know, I mean, in terms of outcomes, if you zoom out and stuff, you know, he's still got that plus slider and, um, you know, it's still there, but, uh, you know, in terms of raw whiffs, there are games where it disappears. You know, there are games where he gets three whiffs on the slider, um, and uh, then there are games when he gets 12 whiffs on the slider. You know what's uh, weird is if you kind of look at his game log, um, like OPS and, and, and performance metrics, results metrics rather, but by the slider only, just looking at the game log, it's almost uh-huh. a, a bad game identifier. Like when, when it spikes, yeah. like you, just like you're saying, that is playing out, except yeah. there is just... one hilarious uh, deviation from that. It gave up a 1047 OPS uh, among 14 batters faced in the 16 strikeout game, but it still <laughs> got seven strikeouts. So it must have so given just up. just missing, but every time they hit, it went far. <laughs> yeah, it, must have, it, it definitely gave up the home run, but it probably gave up all of the other five hits that he gave up that game too, yet it also generated seven strikeouts. That's pretty hilarious. Maybe that was one of his low change-up usage games, so it was all sliders. And, and yeah, so they're like, you know, when, when, when he threw it right, they would just swing and miss through it, but if he flattened it out, they were crushing it. So there, there is a measure of inconsistency here with Pineda that I think we're, we're, we're uncovering. It's, it's so maddening because you, you just don't know if that's going to be fixed or not. The, 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 yeah. the, the elements are all there, but now it's just on him. You just kind of have to wait and see. I would say that uh, there are two things that make me optimistic. One, I consider him to have good command. I agree. Uh, I think he has excellent command, command to be honest. Yeah, so that, that to me suggests uh, repeatable mechanics um, that uh, – and, and so maybe – maybe and this, this is where I'm, I'm going past what I know for sure. But maybe he, the change-up um, grip just has him – either a finger is less strong or you know, he's, he's something – it has affected his slider grip on some level. And so sometimes he's not gripping the slider as well or something. I don't know. Um, also, the other thing that I would say is that um, his velocity has been creeping up. 
And uh, he started, he's like one of these outliers, really, where he started out the year at 9092. Mm -hmm. And I was actually honestly worried about him in 9092 because, you know, not a great changeup, uh, 9092. So I, I don't have that many. I have one share, maybe, or two. And then now, uh, the last uh, four games have all been over 94. And yeah, actually, building the, last, it up. the last two games, you could round up to 95. So uh, that's the that's the old Vineta. And maybe that sort of slow ramping of velocity has something to do with the slider, too. Maybe it's struggling to command the slider at these higher velocities or whatever. But in general, give me a guy with great command, a plus-plus, like, you know, top-five type pitch in a slider, and then an emerging third pitch that you know, rates as positive by movement and, uh, and outcomes so far. And, uh, I'll, I'll do a strong buy on that guy. Uh, yeah, I, I totally echo the strong buy on Pineda here. I know there's some of the volatility and it is maddening, but you want to bet on a skill set like this. And if a 408 ERA will earn you any sort of discount, then you take it. But I'd even pay market value if somebody, you know, trade partner came out and flat out said, listen, I'm not going to give you some crazy discount because of this ERA. We're, we're just going to trade straight up. I'd still do it. That's how ag aggressive I am on Pineda. I just, I love that stuff. There's a lot to like there. There's a lot to like with this next guy too. He doesn't have much of a track record, but the skills that he has shown have been really impressive. He just had a tough ERA in, uh, in June. And, and so it really wasn't as much skills, but we got to put him on here because it was a bit of a swoon. 514 ERA for Mr. Noah Syndergaard um, in his 28 innings during June, but no one's complaining about 31 strikeouts and a 6.2 strikeout to walk ratio. It was really just the two outings to start the month. Uh, he gave up 10 hits in both of them. So 20 hits in 10 innings, 11 runs, uh, you know, Th th that'll sink you in a, in a five-start sample. But I just wanted to include him, just kind of talk about him a little bit more because I feel like you can never talk enough about Noah Syndergaard. And uh, I'm very curious as to how you think he'll be treated the rest of the way regarding his workload. Yeah. Uh, got... I mean, they went to the, the six-man rotation, so um, that's going to, I wouldn't say artificially, but it's going to suppress his workload. It's going yes. to, and it's going to do it without um, shutting him down or whatever. Or giving him but... five-inning starts and pulling him even though he, he's still got juice in the, in, in the tank. Well, let me update you quickly. 83 innings so far this year between AAA and the majors. He had a buck 33 last year, which was a career high. So obviously he'll exceed that. It's just a matter of how much. I know you like to operate, and I agree with it. I agree with the method as well. The 20%, uh, so that put him at 160, so about another 80 or so. You know, not not too crazy to see that coming. And even if they gave him all 80 in in the regular season and made the and made the postseason, it, I don't think it'd be crazy to then still use him there, even if he finished with 175. That's not some sort of usage that would have people freaking out, right? Yeah. And I think, honestly, uh, the Mets are, I mean, it, they still have 16% playoff odds, so they're still in it. Uh, but, you know, they're starting to fall behind a little bit. And as a Mets fan, I've, you know, I've, I've, I've soured a little you. bit on the front office. I mean, I just, I don't know if it's the owners that just have their fingers in too deep or, uh, or, or if the, the financial considerations are just too much, but, you know... You know, not trading Jose Reyes when they were out of it because he was in, he was in a race for the batting title. I, I thought was very stupid. Um, the David Wright deal I didn't think was very good to begin with. 
And I think that there's those two deals in particular uh, had ownership fingers all over it. And um, so I, it's really hard to separate ownership from the front office foibles. But now they've got the Pirates, the Cubs, and the Giants ahead of them. And, um, you know, the only reason that they're, you know, comfortably in this race is because the Braves, Marlins, Phillies, Reds, Brewers, and Rockies are all terrible. Like, like, yeah, god-awful. It, it is a stars and scrubs National League this year. But if the Padres, you know, if the Padres do buy, like Cameron said they should, because they're all in anyway, or if Kemp sort of powers a resurgence and Kemp and Cashner both play to their abilities going forward and, and the Padres make some noise, uh, the Diamondbacks have the kind of high, volatile, high volatility pitching staff that, you know, if everything gels, they could make a run. And all of a sudden, they're with the Mets, along with the Pirates and the Cubs and the Giants, who were all favored to to be the second uh, to be the two wild cards ahead of the Mets. So and I think that uh, you know we may not see the Mets in the playoffs, and uh, and I think that might mean uh, some shutdowns for some of their pitchers. But um, you know, as for what you can do about it, not much. Not Sell them in an H two H keeper league if you get if you get something real tasty back. But you know, Syndergaard's going to have keeper value himself anyway so you know why why sell him just because you won't have him in the playoffs what would you take uh back for him uh in a in a redraft situation like that though a head-to-head where you are concerned that he wouldn't be there for your playoff chase and and obviously whoever's trading with you is probably going to know that too so you're not going to get equal value would you just hold in that situation or would you take trying to think of a of a capable name that isn't a stupid thing to say, but still gets the point home here. What about like an Alex Wood who's who's been uh, kind of on fire lately? Would you take him in a straight-up deal for Syndergaard in a redraft league head-to-head? I know it's pretty specific, but we're talking about missing the playoffs here for that stretch run, uh, potentially. You know, uh, maybe if I was in like first place, um, you know, because then I could say, well, Al- and Alex Wood is better than nothing. Yeah. Uh, so so that would be a reason to do it. If I wasn't in first place, I'd say, well, why don't I keep Noah, you know, in order to improve my seating in the playoffs? That and is my answer that's, too. That seating in the playoffs is is better, is more valuable to me. You know, or make sure you make it because you're not yeah, guaranteed. Yeah, make sure. Exactly. I mean, unless you are in that first place and you've got some, you know, twelve and two record or however you do, however you do the league. I know this is week thirteen or fourteen. Um, you know. There are some situations where, yes, you, you know you're going to make the playoffs, but a lot of folks, that's still up in the air. So for me, I just keep him. I want him to get me in there, and then I'll figure it out because you know, you'll know you probably find some other guys. They won't necessarily be Syndergaard-esque, but I bet you know instead of taking that hit on trading him, I don't love Alex Wood. Other folks might think that's a great deal. Uh, I don't love Alex Wood, so I personally wouldn't take that. I'd rather just hang on to Syndergaard and get whatever he can give me that's left because, like I said, you know – they wouldn't have to. They could still give him, even if they wanted to be cautious and just play it cool. Um, they could still give him another seventy innings and shut him down, and that's that's not that's not crazy at all in terms of uh, increasing his workload. And they have to increase it. You, you don't want to stagnate him uh, and just leave him with you know one hundred and forty five innings after one hundred and thirty three last year. So and if they if they stick with the six six man rotation, I don't know the math off the top of my head, but. Um, we're not talking about a hundred innings uh, each anyway. The rest of the exactly, way, exactly, exactly. So uh, they might actually, if they stick with a six-man rotation, you could get uh, Syndergaard to the end of the season with with that sort of eighty innings thing. 
Um, you know, what about, um, and then you're just talking about, you know, oh, I might have Syndergaard once in my final matchup as opposed to having him twice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then would you take, uh, you know, I doubt you get like a Votto or a fielder for him, but um, Duda or Davis, Chris Davis, if you needed some offense. Well, you are kind of a just, kind of transition just, master because we got to talk about about Duda here. Yeah. Uh, he's he's part of our June swoons. He had a 65 WRC plus with just one homer in June, but that comes on the heels of two excellent months. So you can almost give him a little bit of a break on it. I mean, you never like to see. Uh, I think it was like a 570 uh, OPS for a whole month out of out of one of your sluggers. But he built himself up some nice, uh, you know, backlog there with a pair of 900 plus OPS first two months uh, for Duda. So. You know, if I needed – in a situation where I needed hitting, I'd be more apt to trade him. I wouldn't want to do pitcher for pitcher with Syndergaard in, in the scenario we're talking about, a redraft league, where I'm afraid of not having him for the playoffs. But for a hitter, sure. Um, and, and if it fit the right need, I think Duda could be could be done because I'm not that worried about his June. It, it was a bad month. But if you look at anybody at the end of the year, they're, they're almost every player is likely to have one ugly month. Now, maybe Paul Goldschmidt won't this year. He might just have that transcendent MVP, excellent career year. There are certain guys, but the overwhelming majority of players will have one bad month within the six. And so if, if this is Duda's and he kind of gets back on track to what we saw, not just you know the first two months of the season, but going back to 2013 and 2014, 2014 especially, uh, then yeah, I, I'd be happy to take that. I think that's a this would be a great chance to buy Duda right now because he is, you know, carrying a sub 800 OPS. The Mets offense is anemic. I think you could get him for even cheaper though. I might even be able to get Duda and a little, and a little nugget on the side with, uh, uh, for Syndergaard, I bet. You know, like Duda and Montgomery or something. Yeah, so, like. something like that. Montgomery's not amazing. I wrote about him today. He's kind of he's kind of doing it every kind of way. Sometimes it's strikeouts. Sometimes it's ground balls. Sometimes it's like pop ups. I mean, he's been all over the map. He is going to regress. But yeah, if I got a little something I can put back in that pitching slot, I would do that trade for sure. What do you make of Duda and, and his struggles? Are there chronic struggles here that you're worried about long term, or are you chalking it up to bad month? The whole team kind of had it, and he'll get back on track. Yeah, I wish I'd um, taken a closer look at. It. Maybe I can do it while I'm talking. But you know, one thing that he's done this year uh, that that had actually inflated his numbers because his, his overall BABIP doesn't look that high. Uh, but if you look at what he's done against lefties, he has like a 400 BABIP up against lefties. And so everyone's saying, "Oh, he's figured out lefties." Well, uh, I think he's probably going to have platoon issues over his career. I mean, just uh, he isn't the biggest pull hitter, but he's a big lefty and you know, a slugging lefty, I think he's going to have platoon issues. And, you know, also the proof is in the way the team handled him, has talked about platooning him and so on. So, um, you know, I think that's uh, part of it. If you look at what has happened in this June, it's been just a kind of a power outage. His strikeout rates and walk rates are just about where they are always. His BABIP's gone down to 250 from the mid-300s. I wouldn't be at all surprised if it was related to you know, working against lefties in particular. So, okay. uh, you know, maybe he just had a little bit of regression when it came to facing a few lefties. And, uh, you know, I'm not I'm not overly worried about him in general. I, I think, um, you know, what he's – if you look at his two to this point numbers, mm-hmm. uh, there's nothing unsustainable about those for Absolutely. me. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. I mean, they're they're right. I'm not sure he's ever going to be a 30 homer guy for his whole career anyway. No, they're they're right in line with last year, backing off a little bit on the homer to fly ball rate, which brings those homers down. That's kind of what people were saying this year, that maybe he comes back down to the the 12, 13 percent rate that he's had for his career down from 16. And that brings him into the mid 20s with his power. But otherwise, Lucas Duda is delivering on everything that we expected uh, from him despite the, the the poor June. So I, I'd bet on him to rebound. I'd be willing to go get him. This next guy, I'm not so sure. Uh, actually, check that. I think I, I, th- I think I am sure about what I'd do, but we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. It's Mark Trumbo. And obviously he got traded recently over to Seattle, and he's been a nightmare for them. It was a really, really brutal June. He had a 348 OPS. That's, that's not good. It's, it's just not good. One homer. Uh, one double, 11 hits total. I mean, it, it, it was a nightmare uh, of a month that I'm sure Trumbo was very, very pleased to see go away just to flip the calendar. Now, he did have a July like this last year, almost to a T, a 378 OPS. And then he bounced back the last two months and was more or less the guy uh, that he was supposed to be. Power was a little bit light that August, uh, but everything was back on track in September 2013, he never had a month that bad, but he, he went through his cold snaps. He had a couple of 200 batting average months, but the but the power outage never hit like that. So that's the one concerning thing about this with Trumbo. But do you expect him to get back on track and be the guy that we're used to, the the big power and little else guy? Is this just his bad month, or is this something that is more problematic uh, for Trumbo going forward with Seattle? To me, the maybe one of the most problematic um, aspects of his uh, of what's going on right now is the game log. Uh, he's not playing every day. I can't I figure mean, out exactly when he's not playing because he's playing against righties and he is a righty. No, no more Willie Bloomquist to take his spot. I guess I, I believe they DFA'd him today. Uh, so I guess well, he's that alone, taking- that sentence alone, is just mind-boggling. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> they pay him like a. They paid him a lot. Uh, it, it's it's going poorly for Seattle right now. Uh, Nelson Cruz still amazing. They they you know Kyle Seager's kind of doing his thing. Uh, they got a handful of guys that are performing offensively, but it never really seems to be at the same time. So they are just sluggish. It just does not look good when you're looking at that lineup. And I thought you know just just they were trying to do kind of a, a Houston thing. We don't really care that much about batting average and, and on base. We're just going to try to slug the hell out of you. And, but it's not working. It, it is working for Houston. Emulating it for Seattle has not worked because they just don't have the power outside of uh, outside of Cruz because Trumbo's not delivering it right now, and we know where Cano's at. So um, they're, they're trying this thing, but it, it's looking bad right now. I, I'm a little bit nervous, but I feel like Trumbo just has these – crazy cold snaps where we totally freak like uh, now he's now he's going to be out of the league and then he turns around and, and does what he does and, and it reminds me of chris carter you know we same sort of thing the the, the cold spells are just so awful walks that's true that's true that, that that's a much better component there but in terms of like you know batting average and, and going through these these cold streaks and then they when they get hot they can be so electric so i would not fully give up on on trumbo here he shouldn't cost anything i bet he's hitting waiver wires everywhere and if you need power i think i think you got to pick him up i i I still have him in a um in a 12 team league i i have been an al only that's the only only place i got him this year and obviously that was recently i have him in a 12 team league and i'm playing him against lefties and against 
Is Lefties he- this year, he's uh, still got a 254 average uh, and uh, is 28% above league average. So a 540 slug against him. So he. So needless to say that Mark Trumbo is doing better than the minus seven WRC plus that he put up in June. Minus <laughs> well, against, seven. against righties, against righties uh, for the year, he's at 69. Nice. Nice. Uh, but, uh, uh, I think, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm comfortable calling him. I, I think, you know, it deep league, my, 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 my league is a 12 teamer, but I've got like six or seven kind of, um, uh, hitting bench slots, um, okay. which makes the play deeper, of course, and allows you, you know, auto new, if you can slip, slip, slip him in against righties, I think he's still, I think it's lefties. I think he's still useful. Uh, in all the deep leagues, you got to hold. But uh, if I had like two or three bench slots in a twelve-team league, I don't think I'd own him anymore. No, and and I agree with that. You you can move out from him um, unless you have the power need. I think if you have the power need, you have to stay the course because he's one of those guys that hits that first one, and you see it's like some three for four with a homer, or, or no, it usually starts like a one for four with a homer, and then the next game's the four for four, and then he just goes on a tear. So. Um, We'll see if he gets if he goes on that tear, but I, I think Trumbo has a, has a big run in him at some point. I would try to hold where I could, but I hear you in those twelve teamers. If you're not starved for power, and and you don't have a lot of bench, then yeah, you, you can move on. So it is context uh, league dependent, of course, um, but for the most part, Trumbo man, annoying, very very annoying. Uh, that's that's gonna do it for the June swoons. You know, we, we're we're gonna wrap up here. You have anything special planned for the Fourth of July weekend? Uh, I'm going to rest this foot. Well, <laughs> I still is... have also. I still have uh, a little bit of that keg of that uh, of my favorite beer left over from my birthday. Well, there you go. So, that sounds like a weekend. Right that. There. And then the big capper, uh, the real exciting part is I'm going to get uh, started on moving. Oof, that is it, – it's, it's exciting as can be Woo! to move. Nobody doesn't love moving except – Long weekend. <laughs> Long weekend just to pack up stuff. That's that's fantastic. Well, hopefully it doesn't go too poorly. Um, moving, as we've discussed at great length, is a nightmare. But uh, once you're done, hopefully it will be great. So – Stay healthy for one. Don't try to do too much of the moving. You get you have a built-in reason now to be a little bit lazy. So try to embrace yeah. it. You know, listen. You're gonna have to sit down and watch the games. Everyone's <laughs> everyone else gonna have to take care it's of work, everything baby. around you. You're just working. You're just working. I know you That's got the out. keg in your lap and you're just drinking directly from the <laughs> nozzle. But just tell her you're working. And that she has to take care of the kids, and you'll 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 get to it later. That's that's how it's got to be done. You know, I hope you have a great weekend with the family. We'll talk on Tuesday. Um, TBD if Jason and I will go for the Fourth of July weekend, but if not, we'll make something happen. Maybe on I'll figure out what his day off is. I think a lot of jobs are going Friday or Monday with the day off, and maybe we'll work around that. So stay tuned with regards to the Sunday pod. But Eno and I will definitely be back on Tuesday. Eno, take care. Yeah, thanks for listening. <laughs>